Good morning, church. So good to be with you. I believe that the Lord has a good word for us this morning, and so let's just dive right in. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. And we're going to begin this morning in verse 10. Matthew chapter 18, uh, beginning in verse 10. And this is a parable that Jesus told, a very powerful, it's short, concise, but beautiful and powerful. And so listen carefully. This is Jesus speaking. And listen to what Jesus says. He says, See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. And then Jesus says this. He says, What do you think? He says, Tell me what you think. If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that has wandered off? And when he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. And then Jesus says, in the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Short and concise parable. Seems pretty straightforward. But we pastors and teachers, we tend to muck things up. (laughs) Scholars actually have a lot of disagreement on what all this means. They're like, who are these little ones? Are they little children? Are they adults? And then, what's this business with all these angels in heaven? Like, do we all each have a guardian angel in heaven? And then, who's this sheep that's wandered off? Is this sheep that's wandered off a believer or a non-believer? And then, like, why is this parable here in Matthew so, so different from, from the Gospel of Luke, the parallel version that's, that's, that's talked about in the Gospel of Luke? Why are they so different? There's disagreement among scholars, but I think the one thing that we can agree on is this, that God cares about people, that God's priority is people, that God's main focus is people. People matter to God. If you remember in Matthew also, an expert in the law wanted to try and trip Jesus up. And so he asked Jesus, Jesus, Which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor God's main concern is people. 
God cares about people. God's priority is people. People matter to God. The Apostle Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter 2. He says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Esteem others. Look out for the interest of others. God's priority is people. People matter to God. In Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul also says this. He says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. And then listen carefully to what he says next. He says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Be devoted to others. Honor others above yourselves. You see, when we prioritize people as our main concern, we align our hearts with the heart of God. And I love, and so I love this parable because here, God leaves the 99 and he goes looking for that one. That one that has wandered off. The one that is lost. Maybe might be injured. Might be hurt. Maybe, maybe the one got snatched by the enemy. And God goes and leaves the 99 and, and looks for the one. And here's the neat thing. At one time, we were that one. I was that one. You were that one. And God had his eyes on you. God never stopped. God kept pursuing. And aren't you glad that he always had his eye on you that one more? You see, God always has his eyes on that one more. God never stops. God keeps pursuing God is not willing that any should perish. That's the heart of God. And as Christ followers, isn't this essentially what we desire most too? Like to reach someone, a, a family member, a loved one, who might be far from God, to reach them for Christ, to reach one more for Christ. Isn't that also our heart if we're a follower of Jesus Christ? Easter is in April. I can't believe that Easter is coming up. And between now and April, I'd like to challenge you. I'd like to challenge you to contend for one more. Would you pray for someone in your sphere of influence that might be far from God, 
Would you contend for one more? Would you pray this prayer? Say, Lord, thank you for the privilege that I get to partner with you to reach one more. Would you show me who that one more might be? And then, from now until Easter, Lord, would you help me, Lord, to pray for, help me to contend for, help me to sow seed, help me to water the seed that's sown, help me to reach that one more for you, O God. Did you know that globally, they say that there are over 2 billion Christians in the world. I'm not sure if that figure is correct, but that's what they say. Two billion Christians in the world. What if we all two billion Christians took it seriously to reach one more for Jesus? We would like literally double. The people of God would be four billion. There would be great rejoicing in heaven over that one more And so I want to encourage us from now until Easter to think about who that one more might be and then to contend, to pray for that one more. There's another opportunity for reaching one more that I'd like to turn our attention to. And it's children living in poverty. The heart of God breaks for the least of these. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus talks about the marginalized and the poor and how our response should be to the marginalized and the poor. The least of these. And in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus describes his second coming. And Jesus describes how it will look like when he comes again. He says that all the nations will be gathered before him and that he will separate the sheep from the goats. He'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then listen to what Jesus says next. Luke, uh, Matthew chapter 25, beginning in about, let's see, Verse 34 says, Then Jesus will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, like, when did we see you hungry and give you something to eat? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you sick or a stranger or naked or in prison? And then 
Jesus' response will be this. He says, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. The heart of God is for the marginalized and the poor. In fact, Jesus says, says that if you feed the hungry, it is the same thing as you feeding me. If you give the thirsty something to drink, it is the same thing as you giving Jesus a drink. If you welcome a stranger or a, or, or the, a person that's, that, that needs clothes or the sick or the person that's in prison, if you help one of these, it is the same thing as you helping Jesus. And Jesus goes on to say this. He says, if you neglect to feed the hungry, if you neglect to help the thirsty or the stranger or the naked or the sick or the person in prison, it's the same thing as if you did not help me, Jesus says. That's the heart of God. The heart of God is for the marginalized and the poor of our world. Listen to some of these statistics on global poverty. Every two minutes, a child dies of malaria. 61 million children between the age of 4 to 11, do not attend school. 61 million. For those of you who are teachers, that ought to startle you. Ought to break your heart. Check this statistic out. About 10% or about 750 million people live on less than $1.90 per day. I mean, I want you to just let that sink in. A dollar and 90 cents a day. Some of us, we have really good jobs. Like, imagine this. Imagine, um, imagine that it was $10 an hour that you made, minimum wage. If you made $10 an hour, and a full day's of work, eight hours of work, that would be $80. And let's say you have to pay some taxes. Let's say you get to pocket 50 bucks. If you lived on 50 bucks a day here in Hawaii, man, you're just scraping by. On $50 a day, you're just scraping by. 750 million people around the world live on $1.90 a day. Imagine that. Around 45% of, death, of deaths of children under five are linked to not having enough to eat. 385 million children live in extreme poverty. 7,000 newborns die every day in developing countries, every single day. 821 million people worldwide are undernourished. 2.1 billion people 
don't have safe drinking water. That's heartbreaking. I wish that we could help them all. We can't help everyone. But here's the thing, we can help someone. My wife and I, we were confronted with, with similar statistics over 10 years ago, and we said, that ain't right. We have to do something. We cannot do nothing. And so we began to sponsor a child through compassion. Compassion is, a, is this child advocacy ministry. And what they do is they pair up compassionate people like you and I with a child that's living in poverty in a third world country. And then for $38 a month, we can bless this child so that this child can be released from poverty for $38 a month. Little over a dollar a day, this child can be released from poverty. So my wife and I have been doing this for many years. And you might be asking, uh, I mean, is all this real? I mean, there's so much scams out there, so much fake stuff out there. Is this like real? And I had the same questions. And in 2008, I had the opportunity to visit Compassion International in the Philippines. I visited their headquarters, I visited several of their programs, and I visited the child that my wife and I sponsor. I visited Richard Badilla. This next picture is a picture of the local church where Richard attends and where Richard goes to the Compassion program. The neat thing is that Compassion International always works with the local church. Always. The next slide, I got to visit Richard's home. His entire home is a portion, maybe a portion of this stage is his entire home. Ceiling is like five feet high. I'm like six feet, and so just to, just to like, check out his home was a challenge. Check out this next slide. This is Richard's family. Richard lost his mom when he was little to illness. And so Richard's dad is a single parent raising five children. Richard's dad is a taxi driver. And on a good day, he makes $10 a day. Not $10 an hour. He makes $10 a day. Compassion International is a legit organization, and it's doing amazing work around the world to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. Would you consider sponsoring a child for $38 a month through Compassion? You can go to Compassion.com, and you can literally choose what country you want your child to be from, what age, what gender, even what birthday. Compassion.com. 
And here's the thing. When you sponsor a child for $38 a month, your child will receive, check out this list, medical checkups, nutritious food, health and hygiene training, educational assistance, access to special services like surgeries and disaster relief, mentoring, and most of, most of all, they will hear about Jesus Christ and be encouraged to live a life for God. That's pretty amazing. And so when you sponsor a child, you will get the child's photo, and then you'll get to correspond with your child. That's the neat part. Like my wife and I, we write letters to our children. It goes back and forth. And I, when I visited Compassion International in the Philippines, I mean, this is no joke. You, you, you might be thinking, nah, that's just a, some adult in Colorado writing letters back to you. No, there's like binders. And I opened the binders. There's letters from sponsors. I mean, it's the real deal. When I went to Richard's home, my wife and I, we sent him a picture. That picture was, was glued to or, or taped to the wall of their home. I was surprised. It's a legit organization. They're doing amazing work. I want to encourage you to sponsor a child. I'd like to end with this video. Would you check this video out? Growing up as a child, life was very hard. And many other times that if we didn't have food, then we'd go to scavenge in the, in the dumping sites. I didn't have food the day before, neither the other day before. I only knew that I was hungry and I needed food. As a child, I grew up with a lot of hopelessness and I knew that death was the best thing for me. At the age of seven, I lost three family members. I lost my mom and I lost my stepdad. I lost my small brother, Patrick, because of the terrifying disease of HIV AIDS. In the middle of prostitution. Feeling so helpless. Poverty made me feel less valued. It made me feel not loved. It made me feel uh, less of a human. eaten dinner and knowing you not have lunch and you're not assured for dinner the following day it's just feeling very helpless like things are not gonna be better i lost four of my siblings due to preventable diseases uh, three of them died before the age of five my sister we were sleeping with her in the same bed and she she had died Things changed later when I joined the program. When I started attending the Compassion Project, I was learning about the Bible, but the most important thing for me was that I was receiving food. I got an opportunity to go to school uh, with a pair of school uniform, with a pair of shoes. My mother heard about a church that worked with children. They're taking care of me, tutors, a pastor, 
a compassion director. Words are very powerful. My life was changed because someone told me, I believe in you, I love you, and I know you will succeed in life. My sponsor was a college student from Michigan, and in the first letter, she just told me that she wanted to make room for me. My sponsor, he was eight years old when I was nine, so he was one year younger than me. One decision to make room for one more changed my life. Saved my life. Saved my life. Will you make room for a child that needs you? Will you make room for one more? It's up to you. My name is Rafael. My name is David. My life was changed by a 26-year-old college student. Her name is Joan. Gail and Roger. Her name is Jamie. My sponsor made room for one more. And that one more. And that one more was me. Was me. Sponsor a child through compassion today. Release a child from poverty in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. My wife and I, we've been sponsoring two children through Compassion for the past 10 years. Their names are Richard and Alyssa. And this week, we made room for one more. And this is, I want to introduce you, this is Sophia. We, uh, we began sponsoring Sophia this past Tuesday. Can you believe it? She was waiting over 300 days for a sponsor. She lives in the Philippines. She's six years old. Her birthday is in July. We made room for one more. Will you make room for one more? Matthew chapter 18, verse, beginning in verse 10. See then that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you, that there are angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, Truly, I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 who did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Let us pray.